audio jungle. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Truckers Podcast. I'm your host, Doug from London, Ontario, Canada. Current events, local, world news, and what's trending Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Thank you for joining me. everybody here across uh, Canada and around the world and what time it is for you start of the weekend and we just finished I guess shoveling ourselves out here in the city of London Ontario from the snowstorm that we had the other day and that's a little chilly this morning, but you know it is winter, and that's so the last weekend of January. So right now that means that we are in the middle of winter. Six more weeks to go before spring arrives, officially on March the twenty-first. So, well, I hope everybody had a good week anyways. I hope everybody was staying safe out there. And that, uh, I hope you enjoyed my show uh, last night at 8 p.m. It did run a little extra long. I think it went like an hour and a half. I could try to cut that down a little bit, you know, being back to, 45 to 50 minutes. Hey, how you doing this morning? Welcome to the Truckers Podcast. I'm your host, Doug, from Ontario, Canada. So, I was just looking at a couple of articles here, and um, it's uh, good news for Johnson & Johnson, uh, who's uh, also working on uh, the vaccine of the COVID-19 and uh, they are looking at a single shot um, for this vaccine where we have um, Pfizer and Moderna with the uh, double shots. So they're looking at getting um, an emergency authorization from the Food and Drug Administration in the United States. And it's much needed. And um, as you may or may not know, uh, the shortage uh, with uh, Pfizer on these vaccines because they're updating a facility in, in, in Belgium. Thank you for the like. And this, so, um, this vaccine um, from Johnson & Johnson 
was made through uh, uh, cooperation of uh, J&J's Bel uh, Belgium-based vaccine division, the uh, Janssen Pharmaceutical. And um, so here's what we know about how it works and how it will fit into the mix of the vaccines. And they're starting off with how effective is the Johnson & Johnson's COVID-19 single-shot vaccine was shown to be 66% effective in preventing moderate and severe disease in a global phase third trial the company announced just yesterday. The vaccine is 85% effective overall at preventing hospitalizations and death in all regions where it was tested. Its efficiency against moderate and severe disease range from, from one country to another. 72% in the United States, 66% in Latin America, and 57% in South Africa. This was measured starting uh, one month after the shot. In South Africa, 95% of the cases in the trial were due to a variant known as the B1351, which is known to be more contagious and carries mutations that may take the virus less susceptible to an antibody immune response. So this variant out of South Africa um, spreads faster um, than the variant from the United Kingdom. Now being uh, a, a shortage on the Pfizer, I mean, here in Canada, I mean, we're looking at probably, you know, the middle of February um, before we start getting more vaccines from Pfizer, from Pfizer, but it isn't gonna be the amount um, that we uh, originally planned on. So, and it's not just Canada, you know, who, who has this setback, it's other countries around the world that has to set back from Pfizer. And um, I haven't really checked to see how Moderna was doing, you know, because we, you know, we certainly, um, try to cover our, cover our tracks as much as we could and get as much of the vaccines as we could. And how far is this going to put us behind on, on vaccines? And of course, you know, we also purchased Johnson & Johnson as well. You know, so, you know, we didn't keep, you know, all of our eggs in one basket, so to speak. So, um, So when they're talking about, you know, that this this other variant out of South Africa, like I said, it's, it's, it's known to be more contagious and carries mutations that make the virus less susceptible to antibody, any, antibody uh, immune response, including antibodies uh, prompted by the vaccine. 
even those who got the, uh, the moderate case of COVID-19 in the trial tended to develop a milder course in fewer symptoms, uh, fewer symptoms. But one month after the shot, all hospitalizations and deaths occurred in the, in the placeable group. Now, generally people get the flu shot. The flu, she, uh, flu season comes around. And that's to help, you know, reduce the effects of the flu. And everybody's immune system is different. Everybody's body responds differently to uh, vaccines. You know, it'd be nice if we were all the same. We all have that strong immune system and, and we get a, a flu shot and we have no symptoms. You know, it'd be nice to, to, you know, with this vaccine to, you know, have, you know, get the shot and have no symptoms at all. And, um, you know, like, I mean, there's no guarantees. But if it can lessen the effects of this virus, and that we, you know, if you do get it, we, you know, you recover quickly. But these, these, these pharmaceuticals, I mean, to even to be where we are right now with a vaccine is pretty impressive. You know, because back at the beginning of it, uh, of this pandemic, you know, these pharmaceuticals were saying it'd be years down the road, you know, before we come up with a vaccine. And yet they worked miracles with what they did. And we're not the only country around the world that have really strict measures imposed upon us. You know, here in Ontario, Canada, you know, we are in a lockdown in a stay at home order. And our federal government, our Prime Minister of Canada, just imposed new travel restrictions with the airlines jumping on board, agreeing not to fly to any sunny destinations. You know, like any country, you know, we have a constitution, you know, your, your freedom and rights, you know, whereas Canadians and in, in, in other countries uh, in democracy, you know, we have the right to, to move around. We have the right to leave the country and come back. You know, we have the right to go anywhere in the country as we please. And um, having the airlines on board with this, this is the only way the government was, would be able to pass it. As I talked about it last night on my, on my show at 8 p.m., making it a lot harder, you know, for um, other people 
around the world to come to Canada. I was reading other comments what people were saying too that you know this is an, uh, an infringement on our rights and uh, not if the airlines are not flying there the airlines chose not to fly there and all the government had to do was ask them to be part of the to be uh, part of the solution. And the airlines were on board with it. And anybody who had made, uh, you know, plans to fly somebody that, you know, go somewhere for spring break or, or whatever the case where you're going, you know, those, our, our prime minister were calling, he was calling on for a couple of weeks, cancel your trips. As these vaccines, you know, are trying to roll out, even with the delays that we're having, you know, more measures were needed. As I said before, you know, the sooner we get out of this, the better off we all will be. Now our restrictions here in, in, in Ontario, um, with the lockdowns and the stay-at-home orders, um, I think it's February, February the 9th is when they'll be lifted. And that all depends if our cases are going down enough for them either to lift them or extend them for another 14 days. Maybe they might do extend it for another 30 days after that. It's really hard to say what the provincial government is gonna do. Now we're here in the city where I, where I reside in London. Um, we have a lot of places that we can use for a mass vaccine campaign once these vaccines start coming back in again. How long is it going to take to vaccinate everybody? I mean, Canada has a population of 37 million people. Vaccines, our government is saying that, you know, by the middle of summer, maybe nearing the end of summer, everybody will be able to get vaccinated. But we got to take care of the most vulnerable people first. We got to take care of our frontline workers. And then move through the population. And Johnson and Johnson being you know, con uh, concluding their third trial and then going to the Food and Drug Administration to getting the emergency release of the vaccine, you know, that's pretty good news.
the article goes on here to say, um, so you're not being infected with the virus that you that can give you COVID-19 when you get this vaccine. It's just some of the harmless COVID virus proteins on its surface, explained this doctor. So essentially, it's a sheep, it's a sheep in a wolf's clothing. And when your immune system sees it, it responds to it and creates proteins against it. And in the future against the real virus that causes COVID-19. And that's the same with Moderna. That's the same with, with um, Pfizer. You know, to um, enhance our immune systems. To fight off this virus. Now, being just a single shot of this dose, you know, the single dose would be much easier to admit uh, to administer, and would mean more people could be vaccinated, as none would need to to be set aside to give someone a, a second shot because that's what 21 to 27 days after your initial um, shot from uh, Pfizer in the uh, Moderna vaccine. The advantage goes up in neon. And the scientist who believes adding a vaccine like this would really accelerate vaccination efforts in the United States and around the world, and especially in the United States and other countries that have, you know, the most infections. You know, Canada isn't anywhere near, but I can tell you this, um, at the end of August last year, Canada had roughly, I think it was about 125,000 cases of COVID. By the end of December, Canada was up over 700,000 cases of COVID. Sounds like a lot for a population of Canada. But then when you've got a population like the United States, you know, it's, you know, you're going to see a lot more cases. How, how we responded to it at the beginning, like the United States and other places around the world, you know, my opinion, I think we're slow getting out of the gate. It was almost like a wait and see, you know, if we get any cases at all. The other day, I think it was Thursday, um, the uh, Premier of Ontario and the uh, Minister of Education um, is having the schools Um, return on Monday, but not all areas. There's still hot spots um, around Ontario where the schools will still be closed. 
but in the London Middlesex area, schools will be returning to in-class on Monday. Now, they've been out since Christmas break, since the 18th of September. That's something like six weeks. And they'll be heading back to school on Monday. And uh, I hope it works. I really do. You know, I've been reading articles where people, you know, um, were talking about um, how hard it is to do this online learning. And, you know, and people, you know, not, and not just on the kids, you know, single parents as well. You know, where they may have a couple of kids, two, three, four kids, and they all have to do online learning. And, uh, you know, it puts a lot of stress on, on, on the family unit, on the, I'm sorry, on the family unit, unit. So kids going back to school, like I said, I hope it works and we don't have to shut down the schools again. And for the rest of us here in Ontario with this lockdown, it's still going to carry on until at least the 9th of, of February and the stay at home orders. It's still going to carry on until at least the 9th of, of February. Uh, while we're still waiting for these uh, vaccines to get back up and, and, and rolling out again from, from uh, Pfizer. And the other advantage with this Johnson & Johnson is that it can be stored at a regular refrigerator temperature. You know, not like Pfizer and Moderna where it's got to be something like minus 70. And, it, and the vaccine is stable for up to three months at 36, at 36 degrees Fahrenheit um, to 46 degrees Fahrenheit. That means the healthcare facilities would not have to buy extra equipment to safely store the vaccine. And better for transportation, for the logistics of this. You know, everything that we had to get in place, every, you know, country around the world had to get all these these extra things in place in order to store the, the, the Pfizer in the Moderna. And challenging, you know, depending on, you know, to get the vaccines out here in Canada, I mean, up into the Northwest Territories. you know, in, into um, desolate places, you know, it was a challenge, was a challenge in itself because these small communities, you know, they wouldn't have this equipment. So that equipment would have to be transported there as well and set up. So this Johnson & Johnson vaccine, you know, this is a great thing. Hopefully we get more shots in arms and a single shot to boot.
So hopefully the um, the FDA um, right now they're reviewing all the data and uh, hopefully that um, you know it's up to their standard and that vaccine can get rolling out because you know Johnson and Johnson is a, is a huge pharmaceutical. They make all kinds of, of different products. Here in Canada, we have pharmaceuticals, but we do prescription drugs. And we should have been working on vaccines decades ago. We should have been manufacturing vaccines in Canada decades. Not just for ourselves, but for the rest of the world. And that we wouldn't have to rely on other other pharmaceuticals to be coming up with vaccines. Because who knows when, when is the next pandemic? After we're out of this one. What kind of virus would it be? There shouldn't be another one. This should not have happened in the first place. But here we are. And all this and all the struggles and the trials and, and tribulations that it had, that it has caused around the world. From economic meltdowns, print near the stress that is putting on everybody. Our mental health depends on these vaccines our jobs. Our small business people, the little guys, with their doors shuttered. Your family restaurant that you'd like to go to all the time. Or maybe the bar gym, the movie theater, sporting events, concert events, all shuttered. You know, except for, you know, the big box stores, Costco, Walmart. They can stay open because they sell groceries, but they do sell non-essential items which people can go in there and buy. Where the little guy, you know, they have to rely on really online orders and curbside pickup, but that's not enough. Because generally people are going to do, if they're going to do their online shopping, they're going to, they're going to do it from the big box stores. 
but these small businesses, you know, sell the same thing as they do. All the malls around here, you know, are closed except for the Walmarts that are, that are attached to these malls. No food courts, uh, new, uh, I'm sorry, no food courts are, are open. That favorite store that you like to go in to buy your clothing, it's closed. You know, the economies are just shaking at their very foundation. How many businesses are going to fully recover and how many businesses are just going to just shutter and close permanently? Our government here in Canada is trying to do the best they can to help Canadians financially. People are, bought, people are behind on their rent, facing evictions. Right now we have a stop on evictions, but what's gonna happen, you know, when that's lifted? They're behind in the landlord's tenant board on evictions. More needs to be done to help the individuals who are, are, or who are struggling to pay their rent, to pay their heat and hydro, to put food on their tables for their families. The more vaccines that we can get out to the population, and Johnson and Johnson is coming through, and like the rest of them did. I mean, you know, these scientists around the world to come up with this vaccine to begin with, and as soon as they did, it's pretty impressive. But, you know, the uh, logistics behind it all to get it out everywhere, get the shots in the arm, you know, takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of people. And it's a huge movement in mankind. Probably, probably the biggest logistics we'll ever see in our lifetime. You know, and I can't, I can't stress, you know, to, you know, when I come out here and I ask people, you know, do the right things out there. 
you know, wear your mask, social distance, wash and sanitize your hands on a regular basis. Don't gather in large crowds. You know, it's funny when something like this happens that you see all the holes in your healthcare. From getting the PPE out. Hospital beds. Hospitals being overran with patients. The ICUs are full. Morgues are full. And not just from COVID-19, because we're human beings, we pass away. But then you add COVID-19 on top of that. And you have to have refrigerated trailers outside of the morgues. And we still see people around the world. It doesn't matter here in Canada. It doesn't matter where you're from. You know, people breaking the rules. You know, I guess rules, the, the uh, rules were made to be broken. like any rule you know speed limits they're broken every single day it's a rule not to speed but people break it it's like people break the rules that these stay-at-home orders and lockdowns and don't have a big house party You know, Canada is no exception to the rule. That's all happening. That all happens here like everywhere else. You know? We're, we're, we're social creatures. You know, we have to social. You know, like I said before, there's, there's, you know, there's going to be plenty more Christmases down the road. You know, Easter's, birthdays, weddings. All these things, you know. To have a big birthday party, you know, for people, you know, who, you know, hit the age of 60, that's a big birthday party. You know, people who at the age of 80, that's a birthday party. A hundred, that's a celebration. But all these things, you know, are on the back burner. And I'm hoping that the year 2021 goes a whole lot smoother than 2020 did, but we only picked up where we left off in 2020. 
could it be potentially another year of this pandemic? As other variants surface, you know, like the United Kingdom variant and the South Africa variant. You know, we're really at a race against time. And to, to protect and take care of the most vulnerable people in our society. The retirement homes, the old age homes, I don't like to call them old age homes. But for all our elderly people, you know, they have to be protected first. And then we can move into our frontline workers. And a combination of both the frontline workers and our, our most vulnerable citizens. And then getting the vaccine rolling through the population. Now, if they're looking at age groups. Of, of how they want to vaccinate people. You know, I'm way down the list. I'm 57 years old and I'm okay with that. I'm okay to wait. Now, if you didn't uh, join me last night's show, there is a, a couple from Vancouver Who, do, who decided that they would take it upon themselves because they're, they're millionaires, right? They can just jump ahead of the line and, and uh, go get vaccinated. You know, they decided to go to a small community in the Yukon territories here in Canada. Liable why they were there. get a vaccine, a vaccine shot. You know, that, that news went around the world. You can Google, you can Google that. A couple from Vancouver, BC, who went to the Yukon to get a COVID shot. You can see their faces. Plastered all over the world news. To go into a small community in the Yukon with a population of about a hundred people, and they're the elderly people, indigenous people, and these two individuals because they have money, they think they can just go and do this. I was appalled by that in all of Canada and other countries around the world who read the story. That sort of thing cannot be happening.
I guess some rich people think they're privileged. My opinion is, I don't care what you have. You know better than anybody else. So I'm more, I'm more than happy to wait. As I go about my daily life, protecting myself to the best of my ability, I can knock on wood. I haven't, I haven't uh, gotten COVID-19. Now back last spring, um, when we started to um, open up and we were able to visit people, uh, being that my parents live in a retirement home, one of the conditions of me being able to go back in to see them, I had to get a COVID test. And of course, test negative. And um, yeah, it wasn't much fun. You know, when I left that place after that test, my eyes were still watery. Pretty uncomfortable. So that was one of the, the uh, criteria last year when we started to reopen up here in, in Canada. So, And being a truck driver, I don't, uh, I don't cross the border anymore. I haven't crossed the border in probably six years, but uh, doing city every day, you know, I come in contact with with people in the in the workplaces in their factories. You know, I still have to be vigilant. I still have to be careful. The companies, they have, you know, um, you sanitize your hands when you come into the shipping and receiving. Sanitize my hands when I go back into the truck. I wear my mask. When I'm greeting the shippers in the receivers. They are too. I know I, I've known I've known people who have contracted COVID nineteen, and they're doing all the right things. Just lucky, I guess. I'm going to keep doing the things that I'm doing to protect myself, to protect my family, my friends, 
stay away from people. With this lockdown that we've been in and the stay at home orders, I haven't seen my parents in a couple months now. Talk to them on the phone. That's not the same. To hear the voice is great, but I'd rather see them in person. But I'm a patient guy. And I'll be patient as long as it takes. And I ask that you do the same. Be patient. We're going to get through this. We all could just need to do the right things, follow the rules, you know, watch our steps. You know, if, if, if you come down with COVID, I mean, you should be able to backtrack your steps. You know, you should be able to remember where you, where you, where you were a few days ago, a week ago. Narrow things down because contact tracing is so important. And you know, when it comes to the big box stores, you know, we, we did a blitz. We did a blitz here on on uh, these big box stores and, and uh, the big grocery store chains. And um, I think uh, two weeks ago when we, when we did that first blitz on these inspectors going in, I think on that first weekend, I think there was 70 charges laid in violation of the protocols that they were to follow. And that was just from simple things at the checkout. That little conveyor that you put your items on and it rolls down to the cashier. They weren't wiping them down after every customer. And the self-checkout, same thing. Then there was too many people in the big box store. So they got fined for that. And they're still doing it and they're still, they hired, I think they said they hired a, a, another 300 inspectors to go out and not just in the big box stores, in, in, the, in the big name grocery stores, but in manufacturing as well. That all protocols are being followed.
we just had just this last week um, the mail um, assorting plant, Canada Post in Mississauga. They shut down the entire afternoon shift because they had an outbreak, and that was over 300 workers had to go home. And they found out of those 300 workers, 100 of them tested positive. That was just the other week. That's going to put a little bit of a damper on our on our uh, on our mail. How it happened? Who knows? Not necessarily did it happen in that inside that assorting plant. It's a community spread virus. Somebody could have got that anywhere. Not necessarily just inside that one assorting plant. The outbreaks are not necessarily in, in that facility, started in that facility. It had to come from somewhere. It had to come from the outside. And that goes without saying for the retirement homes where we're having all these, these or these nursing homes where we're having all these outbreaks. The one in Barrie, Ontario, three weeks ago, I think it was, 95% infection rate in that nursing home, staff and patients. And we've seen that right from the get-go from last year when this pandemic started, all the outbreaks in these nursing homes. And nearly a year later, we're seeing this again. And that shouldn't have happened. It's not the only one. We're seeing these outbreaks again. And there's retirement homes, nursing homes, mostly the nursing homes. Independently owned. Not all of them, but some of them. And, and, and it seems to be that the ones that are independently owned is where these outbreaks are taking place. And that's not good. Think we would have learned from the first time and that's why it's so that's why it's so important you know not only that the most vulnerable people get vaccinated first is that as hard as it may be to limit or not visit at all
but I'll leave that here with you, ladies and gentlemen. I thank you for joining me this morning. So let's get those thank yous out to all of our essential workers, our frontline workers, our doctors, our nurses, our paramedics, our police, and our fire department. I thank you for the job that you do day in and day out. Thank you to my guests on my show, my listeners around the world, and my followers. I thank you for taking the time out of your day to join me here on the Truckers Podcast. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Truckers Podcast. I'm your host, Doug, from London, Ontario, Canada. Have a good weekend, everybody. I hope you can join me tomorrow morning. Take care and do the best you can out there. Thank you so very much.